What's good, church family and friends? I pray you're all doing well this morning. Hey, I pray you had an encouraging week and that you're excited to continue worshiping the Lord Jesus as we dive into his word this morning. Hey, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3 is where we'll be this morning. And if this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Uh, you've jumped right in. Uh, the third sermon of a four-week series uh, through the book of Jonah that we have uh, titled The Gospel According to Jonah. Now, I, I know there isn't a gospel according to Jonah, but uh, that title really is meant to point to a reality that in the book of Jonah, uh, we see the gospel uh, story. We see uh, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, bubbling up on each chapter in the book that we uh, are reading in the book of Jonah. Uh, and as Pastor Tony Carter says, in the book of Jonah, we see the story of redemption in miniature. So we see the story of redemption in miniature. So let's pray together and let's dive into it together now. Let's, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we do thank you for this morning. Uh, we Thank you for uh, your grace uh, in our lives. We, we thank you for, yeah, what grace and mercy it is to be able to gather uh, with the saints online to sing songs uh, to you and to praise you and to pray to you and now hear your word preached. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll be magnified. I pray that you would be glorified. I pray uh, that you would uh, use your word uh, to edify the body, that you would convict hearts of sin, and that you might save, and that you might redeem. Oh God, may the redemption of the Lord uh, be ever more uh, evident, Lord, in this time this morning. God, may we uh, grab hold of it even the more this morning, and may we be encouraged by it. And um, we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So Jonah chapter 3, starting at verse 1, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breath. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, 
how they turned from their evil way. God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So if you're taking notes this morning, here's the main idea of this passage. Redemption is available to you if you repent and believe. So redemption is available to you, to me, to all, if we repent and believe. And I have two points to guide our time this morning. So here they are. Point number one. We must receive and share the message of redemption. And we'll see that in verses one through four. And two subpoints to, to help us guide our time that we'll break down is uh, one, receive the message, verses one through four A, and then B, share the message, uh, verse four B. And so once again, point number one, we must receive and share the message of redemption. Point number two, we must respond with repentance and faith to the message of redemption. We must respond with repentance and faith to the message of redemption. Point number one, we must receive and share the message of redemption. Receive the message. Look back with me at verses one through two as it reads, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Notice that it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. A second time implying that there was a first. I mean, right off the gate, you see the mercy of the Lord to Jonah, don't we? If, if this isn't a, a, a time to pause and just break out into singing, he's the God of a second chance, <laughs> I don't know what time is. This is a great time to sing that. Think about how many times the word of the Lord has, has come uh, to you and me, and we did just like Jonah in chapter one. We rebelled, we disobeyed. Um, yet God was merciful to you and me to send the same word yet again, to tell us again. And for some of us, it was again and again and again. Yet the Lord still spoke through his word, the Bible, to us. And however many times it was, we by his grace heard him. By his grace, we heard him, just like Jonah. A little bit about me briefly is that, um, yeah, I grew up in the church and, and, and never lived it. Um, and... Uh, grew up playing basketball, and that was my, my love, and wanted to make it to the league, wanted to be like Allen Iverson, um, and uh, eventually got caught up in the hood lifestyle, and so I did hood things, and uh, went throughout my teenage years to my young adult years just rebelling against God. Um, yeah, just uh, living a life uh, that's not pleasing to God, hearing the gospel as a kid through my mom, um, who some of you all have heard the story, um, hearing this, you know, the gospel from my mom, my mom passed when I was 13. And so uh, that was at that point where I started wilding out. But, but hearing the gospel, growing up in church, uh, never living it, still hearing it from other family members and, and, and you know, friends, but, but rejecting it, uh, not, not receiving it. 
not obeying it um, is, is my story. So for me, again and again and again, <laughs> I, I, I fit that, uh, that story quite well. And some of you might also as well. But praise be to God that he continued to pursue us. And his message reached us. <laughs> and we received it by faith, by grace. What mercy is that uh, for, for you and for me, if that's your story? Um, praise God that he uh, saved us, that he didn't let us stay in our sin. Amen. So the word that comes to Jonah is the same command we find in chapter 1, verse 2. So look at chapter 1, verse 2. Uh, we looked at this in the first sermon, but... Chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So verses 1 through 2 of Jonah's, Jonah chapter 1 and 3 uh, is, is practically identical. Um, God's word didn't change. Uh, God didn't change. His message remained the same. And his mission to save the Ninevites didn't change. But you know who did change? Yep, that's right, Jonah. Jonah changed. This time, instead of rebelling against God and his word, instead of rejecting God and his word, he received it. Jonah received the word of God. He received the message. And so how does the Bible tell us that how he received it. Well, he obeys. He obeys. Look back with me at verse 3 of chapter 3. It says this, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. You see that there? Remember in Jonah chapter 1 verse 3 as we just, uh, or as we'll look at in a second, where he disobeyed and tried to run? Um, he he tried to run from God. Look back at chapter one, verse three. It says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went on board to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. So right there, we see that Jonah disobeyed God and he tried to run. But what did God do? God flexed on him a little bit in chapter one through two by showing him that it's impossible for him and pure silliness to run away from a God who is everywhere at all times, who's all powerful and who knows all things. So Jonah got up this time and went to Nineveh, as it says, according to the word of the Lord or in other words, in obedience to the word of the Lord. So the will for us Christians is always obedience. You want to know what the will of the Lord is for your life? It's obedience. That's the will of the Lord for you, to obey him. The Christian life is one of obedience to God. We are in his will when we obey, we are outside of his will when we disobey. It's as simple as that. 
But obedience is something we all struggle with, huh? We do. One quick thought and, and, and application as to why obedience may be a struggle for some of us at times is that maybe we're too busy trying to work for our obedience to God versus from the obedience that God has granted us in Christ. I'll say that again. Maybe we're too busy trying to work for our obedience to God versus the obedience that he has granted to us in Christ. Here's what I mean. So for the believer, we have received Christ's perfect record of obedience to the Father. So our motivation for obeying God is one that is rooted in what Christ has already done for us. Uh, not what we can do for him. So this morning, you can rest in Christ's perfect obedience for you in your place if you are a Christian. His obedience, his salvation is our motivation to obey. So essentially, the gospel is our motivation to obey. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says this, For Christ's love compels us. So we are compelled by Christ's love. We are compelled by the gospel. The, the good news is what compels us, what controls us. Uh, therefore, we obey. So may the gospel be our motivation to obey. So at the same time, this doesn't mean we just sit back and, and do nothing. Uh, here's what I mean. You can't grow in your understanding and love for God's uh, word if you just stare at the Bible across the room <laughs> on a shelf. You, you will never grow in your love and understanding of God's word if you uh, stare at your Bible from here to there across the room. Uh, no, you have, to, you have to pick it up. You have to pray. You have to read it and trust God to grant you understanding. But remember, your motivation to read your Bible or anything in the Christian life isn't based on what you do. It's based on what God has done for you. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do you see that? So work out your salvation in fear, with fear and trembling, but realize it's God who is doing the work in you and through you. Realize that it's God who's bringing about the growth, the maturity that you desire. Realize that it's God that's bringing about the holiness. Yeah, you pick up your Bible, you read it. Yeah, you pray. Yeah, you pursue holiness. But trust God to bring about the holiness that you need, that you desire, that he desires for you. So, all right, Jonah goes to Nineveh, as the text says. It was a three days journey in breadth, which means it was a long walk. <laughs> Nineveh was a huge city. 
As mentioned in the first sermon, Brian Estelle in his book, The Gospel According to Jonah says, God commands Jonah to go to the great ancient city of Nineveh. This city was one of the greatest in ancient world. Located about 600 miles northeast of Israel, it endured for over a thousand years. Nineveh was huge by ancient standards. We also know from uh, the first sermon uh, that Nineveh, Nineveh was also a sinful city. And this is where God sends Jonah. This time, Jonah receives his message. This time, he receives the message. So like Jonah, we must receive the message, which leads to my second subpoint under point one this morning, share the message. So receive the message, now share the message. Look back with me at verse 4b. It says, And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So this time Jonah obeys the Lord's command and fulfills the mission that was given to him back in chapter 1. He shares the message that God gave him to the Ninevites. Remember, this was a message of Judgment, because God is planning to destroy the Ninevites because of their sin, Jonah 1, 2. Uh, the, the message here is the same message God gave to Sodom and Gomorrah for their wickedness when he overthrew them back in Genesis 19. And so the same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament who will punish sin. Listen to Romans 1, uh, verse 18, as it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So God will punish sin. And as Eric Redmond puts it, this message is one of doom. Uh, and this message of doom is meant to bring the Ninevites to repentance. Uh, so yeah, this message is, is a message of judgment, a message of doom, and it was meant to bring the Ninevites to repentance. Uh, we have a message that's also meant to bring people to repentance by God's grace, the gospel. The gospel, it starts with God, but leads to doom, not because of God, but because of man's disobedience to God. And because of man's disobedience to God, it separates him from God. You remember in the garden that God and man was chilling, uh, there was shalom, there was peace. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, uh, their sin separated them from God. And essentially, because of their sin, now they are uh, deserving of punishment deserving of death but then by God's grace in his mercy he sends Jesus who comes and takes their doom who comes and takes our doom he takes the destruction we all deserve the death we deserve on the cross he goes to the grave for three days and is resurrected on the third day offering salvation to all who would repent and believe in him. Amen. Hallelujah. This is the gospel. And 
This is the message that we are to share. Jesus tells us this in Mark 16, 15, that this is the message that we are to share about him. Here's what it says, Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So quick question for you this morning. When is the last time you've shared the gospel? When is the last time you've shared the good news of Jesus with someone? No, like, really. And I don't mean by just letting your life speak, which is something we should do. Uh, we are called to imitate Christ. We are called to live lives worthy of the gospel. Yes, amen. And I don't mean by meeting the needs of the people or by being an advocate in the community, which those are things we uh, can do as Christians. I mean, for us at CHCC, we desire to proclaim the good news of Christ. Um, but uh, as an implication of proclaiming the good news of Christ, we desire to meet physical needs of the people in the community um, who have real needs and challenges. and so. Um, those meeting the needs aren't the gospel, um, but it's the implication uh, of the gospel. And we're compelled by the gospel to want to meet those particular needs. And so those things are fine. What I'm meaning is by actual words. When is the last time you've actually shared the words of Christ? the good news of Christ, the words of the good news about what Jesus has done for you and for me. The gospel is good news to share. It is to be proclaimed. To not proclaim the gospel is to disobey a command from God. Did you know that? So if you're not sharing the gospel, God sees that as also disobedience, just like any other disobedience. I mean, the Great Commission is a command to, to go, to go and proclaim Christ. And this isn't meant to condemn anyone, but this is meant to encourage and to challenge us to, if we are sitting on the sidelines of this game uh, of, of life, of the Christian life, uh, man, we are, we are called to check in. We are all called to get up from off the sidelines and get in the game, get in the game of proclaiming the good news of Jesus to all who we can. So, so Jesus tells us to proclaim the gospel, to go make disciples. You can't make disciples if the gospel isn't being proclaimed. The Great Commission uh, is, is, man, the gospel being proclaimed to all nations and uh, the making of disciples, of, of people who follow after Jesus, who have responded to that gospel. So the Great Commission is a, a proclamation of the good news of Jesus. I mean, this is what Jesus says in Mark uh, 16, 15, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. 
So here's, here's one quick application and encouragement for, for all of us this week. Uh, pray about one person who you can share the gospel with this week and then take steps towards actually sharing the gospel with that person. Um, yeah, pray about who the Lord might lead you to share the gospel with this week. And then step out in faith and share the gospel with that person. If you're not comfortable with sharing the gospel or if there's some, some fear there, maybe you're an introvert, that's okay. I'm an introvert too. Um, we as a church family want to support you. We, we are here to help. We want to be an encouragement to you. Um, we have a bunch of men and women in our church who, who would love to help you in your evangelism, to provide training, to provide resources, etc. So maybe you can come even shadow uh, us as we are out at Coffee and Convo later today or on Monday mornings. Just come out and shadow us and see how um, we are all engaging in love and sharing the good news. Um, come join us uh, to shadow and to see. Um, drop me an email uh, at the address that should pop up on the screen. Um, yeah, drop me an email there if you would like to join us on one Sunday afternoon um, to hit the block to share the gospel. Or if you're looking for uh, evangelism support or anything along those lines, I'm happy to, to help and support in any ways that I can. Don't let fear. Here, listen up. Lean in. Don't let fear um, keep you from obeying the command to share the gospel, to, to evangelize. Don't let fear keep you from obeying the command from God to evangelize. So seek to being faithful with sharing the gospel with at least one person each week, and then trust God with the results. So seek to being faithful with sharing the gospel with at least one person a week. And then trust God to bring about the results. So we must receive and share the message of redemption. And here's what could happen. Here's what it could lead to by God's grace. People will believe God. People will believe God. Look back at verse 5 of chapter 3 with me. Here's what it says. And it says, and the people of Nineveh believed God. The people of Nineveh believed God. Amen. Amen. Which then leads to our second and last point of this morning. We must respond with repentance and faith to the message of redemption. We must respond with repentance and faith to the message of redemption. So, so this is how we are to believe God. This is, this is how we are to believe him, by responding with repentance and faith to the message of redemption. So we must respond, point number two, with repentance and faith to the message of redemption. And I, I like how Pastor Tony Carter breaks it down uh, as it relates to redemption. He says this, he says, redemption is head, heart, and hands service. I like that. He says, redemption is head, heart, and hands service. So redemption 
Redemption changes the head in the sense that when we repent, we are changing our mind about something. We are changing our mind about our view of God and our view of sin. This is what repentance at its basic level is really all about. It means to have a change of mind. Uh, This is what happened to the Ninevites when they believed God back in verse 5, as we just saw. And, And this is what happened to you, Christian, when you believed God. You and me, like the Ninevites, stopped believing the lies of self, of the devil, and the world. You believe the word of God. And believing God's word doesn't stop at conversion. It it doesn't stop when we first put our faith in Christ. No, 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 no. We fight the lies that spring up from the flesh, the enemy, and the world all the time. So, for example, here's a lie some of us might believe at times. It's okay to engage in in sexual sin uh, while single or married. Um, No, the the Bible calls us to purity, to to holiness as a single person and as someone who's married to have eyes only for your spouse and to be intimate with your spouse only. So so that's a lie that um, some of us can believe at times, but the Bible calls us to truth. And that's just one example. There are a million other examples that we could use there. But we have to fight lies like that and many others with the truth. So one of the ways that we uh, can can fight uh, is regularly believing God's word by reading, by studying, studying, by meditating, by memorizing God's word. How do we fight the lies? Well, we fight it by the truth. We fight it by the, the truth of God's word by getting in the text, by studying God's word, by memorizing it, meditating on it, praying it to God. We have to constantly renew our minds. This is the idea here in in Romans 12 too, where we are to be renewed in our minds. So we, we do this personally. So you, yourself, Christian, myself, Uh, are to do this um, in our alone time. We are to renew our minds in our alone time. Um, But by God's grace and the way he's orchestrated it is that we can do this in community, (laughs) right? So so do this with another Christian one-on-one. Get in the Bible with another Christian one-on-one or in not limited to one-on-one, get into uh, maybe a a one-on-two or however you would like to, uh, you know, navigate that Getting in the Bible with another group of men and women um, is is, is what I'm getting at there. So get in the Bible. Read it together. Study it together. Get into a small group. And so forth and so forth. And as we've been talking about already this morning, it's not just enough to, to get in the Bible, but to study the Bible, to read the Bible. We, we have to obey the Bible. So we have to obey God's word. We can read the Bible, study it, learn it, 
but we also have to obey it. We have to obey what it says here. This is God's word. It's a holy word. And it calls us to obey it. All right, so not only does redemption change our heads, but it changes our hearts. Pastor Tony Carter, in commenting on the Ninevites' heart posture, says this. He says, in other words, the Ninevites, in repenting, demonstrated affections for God above other things. The Bible says they believed God, and then they fasted, Jonah 3, 5. In fact, the king, when he got word of it, issued a decree for no one, man or beast, to eat or drink anything but to turn to God in repentance in verses seven through eight. So redemption redemption changes your heart. I mean, think about it. The Ninevites are granted affections towards God. They at one time loved their evil ways and now they're disgusted by their sin and mourning over their sin. That's what the, the covering yourself in sackcloths and, and sitting in ashes uh, entails. And this is true of us too, Christian. Uh, we once loved our dark and evil ways, didn't we? But, but now, by God's grace, we have new affections for God. This is what the Lord Jesus tells us in John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. It reads this, And this is the judgment the light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Did you see that? We once loved darkness rather than the light. We did wicked things and hated the light and didn't want to come into the light. This was true of all of us before Christ. This was true of all of us before God gave us affections for him, before he saved us, before he changed our hearts. Now look at uh, Ephesians 2. Verses 1 through 4, in speaking on this same thing, here's what Paul says in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 1. It says, and, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, hallelujah, right? But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So we were all spiritually dead until God breathed life on our corpse. We were all spiritually dead until God made us alive in him. 
which then leads to the last way that redemption changes us, our hands. Redemption changes our hands. Look back with me at verse 8 of chapter 3, and it reads as follows. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Did you catch that? Repentance is a changing of what you do as well. It's a changing of what you do too. Just like the Ninevites, in repentance, you turn from your evil ways. You turn from the violence that is in your hands. Essentially, uh, it's just a turning away from what you and I once did uh, with our hands or our whole bodies that were unpleasing to God. So it's a turning away from the things we once did with our hands, with our bodies that was unpleasing to God, whether that was violence acts or whatever that might be. It's a turning away from those things that were unpleasing to God. So, so this is what is uh, meant when it means to respond with repentance and faith to the message of redemption. We repent with our head, our heart, and our hands. We repent with our, our head, our hearts, and our hands. If you're a believer this morning, thanks be to God that uh, he has already granted you mercy and grace to respond in this way in faith, in him. Um, now let's look at verses 9 through 10 as we, we close our, our time together this morning. Look with me at verse 9 as it says, Who knows God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he has said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So in verse 9, the king knew what was up. <laughs> he knew what was at stake. He knew that God was not playing around and that he would really take them out uh, in his judgment. Uh, this is why he responded in repentance, as we have seen in verses 6 through 9 thus far. Um, this is why he re re responded with repentance and why he called everyone in Nineveh to repent. Uh, look at how God responds in verse 10. Um, notice that his response is dictated on the basis of how the Ninevites respond. Did you see that? So it says, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way. God relented of the disaster that he has said he would do to them, and he, he did not do it. In other words, when the people of Nineveh repented, God relented. The word relented here means to, to change one's mind. So, so the question is, did God change his mind? Well, we have to remember uh, something that's very crucial here to understand this verse. It was God's intent from the beginning of the book of Jonah uh, and before the foundations of the world to save the Ninevites. Remember, uh, this is why God sent Jonah uh, to Nineveh in the first place. 
But remember, Jonah aborted the mission at first until God flexed on him, right? In, in other words, God sovereignly orchestrated that the Ninevites would still hear his message of redemption, uh, and he didn't change his mind about that. Here's how Pastor Tony Carter puts it. He says this, but God knows he didn't change his mind because God does not need to change his mind. He knows all things. God is not a man that he might lie or a son of man that he might change his mind. Numbers 23, 19. That's what the Bible says. God doesn't need to change his mind. He knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning because he has ordained all things, even your repentance. From before he laid the foundations of the earth, God planned the redemption of the Ninevites. So this is, this is Pastor Anthony Carter from, from Running for Mercy. He continues to say, God didn't change his mind about sin. He didn't change his mind about Jonah's sin. The Ninevites, your sin, or mine. He doesn't. He won't. He can't change his mind about sin. All sin must be punished. God didn't change his mind about sin. But instead of punishing us for our sin, instead of punishing Jonah, instead of punishing the Ninevites, he punished his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. The Ninevites were redeemed and forgiven for the same reason you and I are. God took their sin and placed it on Jesus. He didn't change his mind. He only changed the recipient of his wrath. Isn't that, isn't that good news? That he didn't change his mind. He only changed the recipient of his wrath. That at one point, the recipient of his wrath was, was you and me. And you and I deserved his wrath. You and I deserve his wrath being poured out on us because of our sin. Um, that is displeasing to him. And so if you're, if you're not a Christian this morning and you've been listening in, and, um, you've been hearing me. Say all of these different things about good news and gospel and all of that. Um, I want you to lean in. Is that, and, and hear me when I say this, is that right now you are a recipient of God's wrath. Meaning that God's wrath is abiding over your head because you are living a life that's in opposition to what he desires of you. The Bible says that you are a sinner, uh, that you have sinned against God, that you have lived a life that's not pleasing to him. And we all fall into that category. All of us have sinned and done what is evil um, and deserving his wrath, his punishment, which is eternal separation from him. And the good news for you that you probably have even heard from the beginning of the message is that uh, you don't have to receive that wrath. Well, you can't actually. <laughs> you can't take it. Um, only God can satisfy the wrath of God. And that's exactly what God did in sending his son Jesus to live a life of perfect obedience to the Father, of perfect satisfaction to the Father, 
a sinless life, a life that you and I could never live. And he was treated like a criminal. He didn't deserve that. We deserve that. He was treated like a criminal uh, and was sent to the cross, not for his sin, because he had no sin um, that he needed to go to the cross for, but he went to the cross for your sin and my sin. And he was uh, crucified. He was killed. He was murdered. He died willingly and willfully for you. And he was buried in a grave for three days. And on the third day, he rose with all power and dominion in him, offering salvation to all who would repent, as we've been talking about this morning, who would repent and turn away from their sin and turn to him in faith, in belief, in trust in him and what he has done alone to save you. I want to invite you to that this morning if you don't know him. I want to invite you to know him. Confess your sin. Confess. Agree with God this morning about your sin and the way he views your sin. Agree with him. And then receive his mercy in Christ. That you don't have to be the recipient of his wrath. Instead, the recipient of his wrath was his son. was God in the flesh. Crucified for you. Turn away from your sin this morning. Trust in Him. Believe in Him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning once again. We thank you for uh, redemption in you. We thank you that salvation belongs to you and that you are merciful and gracious to save all, anyone, under the sound of my voice, all over the world, anywhere who would repent and believe in Jesus. God, would you do that this morning? Would you save? And would you continue to strengthen the believers? Would you continue to encourage believers? Help us to Rest in the gospel this morning and rest in the gospel this week. Help us to cling to it. Oh, it's good news. It's, it's such good news. We praise you for your redemption. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.